Welcome to Spill the Tea at TFI, the podcast. I'm Poppy Waitley, and I'm here today to discuss sustainability with the fabulous Ariana Whittingham. Thanks for being with us, Ariana. Welcome. Thanks, Poppy. I'm so excited to be here and talk about sustainability with you. So excited to have you. So can you start off and, I guess, tell me a little bit about what started your interest and passion in sustainability? Of course. It all started, I would say, around the time of the pandemic. I had a lot of time to myself which was different to usual. I, I used to have a very flat-out schedule. I didn't have time to necessarily like stop and think about all the things that I was doing. So this time was a big reflection period, I think, for a lot of us. I went inwards and I started to notice I felt really disembodied from the work I was doing as a model and an influencer, working with all kinds of brands. And that sort of led me to figuring out why it was that I was feeling so disconnected. Once I got down the rabbit hole of all of the stuff that I know now, there was just no way that I could look back. But I also saw like there was not a gap in the market, but there was definitely a lack of promotion and marketing for sustainable and ethical brands. I couldn't personally find that many when I started looking into them. So started to try to like compile my own lists so that I could then be a sustainable influencer and point people in the right direction. And that sort of led me to where I am today with launching um, Precocious just over a year ago now, just shining a spotlight on brands that are doing good for people and planet, that are making the world literally a better place and educating people to come away from the addiction to fast fashion and trend-based styles and move more into like a timeless capsule wardrobe mentality. Amazing. That's so cool. Thank you. I think all of our students will know, but for your benefit as well, all of our students here at TFI have sustainability units and knowledge infused into their studies. Beautiful. So what would you say is the reason why it's so important to discuss sustainability with students considering the point at which they're in their careers now where they're learning and they're not yet out in industry completely but they're going to be really influential and powerful people at some point oh absolutely well the students that you have here I would consider them to be the future of what we see fashion is in Australia anyway The fashion industry is definitely one of the most important to be discussing sustainability. This is because it's actually the second largest contributor to emissions globally. It comes right after the oil industry. So it's worse for the environment in terms of emissions than travel, which is all goods, transport and, you know, airplanes, people traveling themselves combined. All of that, not just airplanes, ships, everything, all travel combined. The fashion industry is more impactful negatively on the environment so it is directly impacting at a colossal rate there's no doubt about that but the other thing that people don't necessarily think of in terms of impact are all the other things of the water use of the materials of the soil what the crop where the crops are grown on that the people that are impacted in the industry that are working you know excessive hours for like no pay There's so many different elements that ties into the fashion industry and how we make 
our clothing and how our clothing is made, that all of that wrapped up together, it is essential that we're discussing this but also implementing it now. I mean, everyone is now aware of climate change and what's going on in the world. I don't really like to go too much into that. We all can see it now. I guess we're all feeling the effects of it. And fashion is a luxury at the end of the day. I know it's essential for most people, but for the people that we're having a lot of conversations with, I do consider it to be a luxury. It is a luxury to be able to go and buy something that's that cheap. You know, like, who's actually had to pay for that? Um, Absolutely. And the Fashion Institute students in particular, because they are going into the industry now, when they graduate, it's going to be a lot different to how it looks now. There'll be a lot more regulations and them being equipped with the information that you guys are giving them with sustainability is going to be really helpful for them. If they go out into the world afterwards and they don't have any knowledge on sustainability, they'll be behind. And that's the way the world is going So it's amazing that you guys are doing that. Yeah, I can understand, obviously, given the environment that we're in, it's sort of not really a topic or a way of thinking that can kind of really be optional anymore. Mm. It's something that has to sort of be mandated as part of their learning, so to speak. Yeah, it will be definitely essential for the students um, once they've graduated to know this information. And I just think that's because if we think about it, we're having to like half our emissions now, but then by 2050, isn't it zero emissions? Yeah. How is that going to be possible if the fashion industry is still using synthetic fibres, which is made out of petroleum, which is fuel? Yeah, very good. So they're going to have to relook at the whole entire model. And for most brands and designers that are definitely not sustainable they're probably going to have to start again yeah wow so understanding yeah understanding this now is just so beneficial for them yeah invaluable really i wanted i wanted to ask you a little bit about how fashion can be sustainable but i think Mm -hmm. in order to answer that question i sort of want to know a little bit more about what are the sort of practices and thinking that make it not sustainable to begin with? Okay. I'll try and That's a say massive this. question. Yeah, I'm going to try and wrap this up and um, say this really concisely because I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> Essentially, if I, I like to look at the fashion model as a life cycle of a product. So you start from where the materials are grown, if they're natural fibres, is it grown in a way that's good for the land that it's actually being grown on or is it being grown in a way for quick production and high quantities you know using lots of chemicals and then because there's lots of chemicals you need to put more water instead of the normal amount and then you're not letting the soil have a rest in between crops you're just pumping them out pumping them out pumping them out that's a way that's the first step so that would be non-sustainable that would be the example for it to be non-sustainable so things like if cotton is an organic cotton that's how it's being produced it's just over and over and over when we know the soil needs to have a little rest in between crops or it will die then you move on to once the fiber has been grown uh, another example of not sustainable would be obviously like a synthetic fiber so like your polyester elastane things like that because that's made out of petrol made out of petroleum um And then the next step that in the life cycle is the manufacture process, 
well, there's a few more steps, but essentially the manufacture process is next. And you're looking at, is this brand or designer, what are the quantities they're pumping out? How frequently are they are they like pumping out new collections? Is it made with you know care? Like, is it made well so that you can keep it for multiple seasons and maybe pass it down or wear it in ten years time? Or is it something that you could maybe wear once and after a wash cycle, or the um, threads have come loose and the zip doesn't go up anymore, and maybe the shape has changed completely because they haven't even pre-washed the garment in the first place. Mm. Next step after that would be transport. There's transport in between all these other steps as well, um, which obviously leads to more emissions. The transport, which is if you're growing the fibre in one place and then sending it to another country to manufacture and then sending it to another warehouse, that's so many routes that that garment's already been on like all over the world before it's even gotten to the warehouse, before it's even been shot, before it's been marketed and sold to you. So we like to consider what are all the steps before this product has been shot and it's on Instagram or it's on the website and we can see it and like, oh, like it looks so good, but you look at all of that before. And then a very important step is also the last step, which is after you've purchased it, what is its end of life? Is this does this brand that I've bought from have a give back program? So if it is damaged or if I don't want it anymore, can I return it to them and get a voucher to spend um, on their new collection, or will they repair it for free, or is it sort of just not their problem anymore and I have to either repair it myself, donate it, or send it to landfill? And unfortunately, for most fast fashion and I don't really even like to say fast fashion because it's just it's not even fast fashion anymore because you think fast fashion you think like pretty little thing or boohoo fashion nova or shein for example but it's actually just mass fashion now like zara h&m they're also very unsustainable even though they want to tell everybody that they are um to just anything that's sort of the mass production and yeah. mass consumption of yeah, anything exactly. is fraught with issues. Yeah. That's incredible. It, the way you were describing the life cycle, I'm, so it's almost like you need to be paying attention to where, where and how it's grown, mm-hmm. how it's made, mm-hmm. how it's moved, mm-hmm. and then how it's maintained. Exactly. And then it takes you back to the beginning. Yeah. And usually if there's one thing wrong at the start, that will have a ripple effect absolutely throughout the whole way. And the first step is actually really important to end of life. So if a garment has been made um, from a fibre that isn't sustainable, has had a lot of chemicals, etc., more often than not you can't, you can't do anything with that product when you go to repurpose it because it's not the same fibre that they're used to dealing with Mm. it doesn't it doesn't repurpose in the same way because it's not technically cotton anymore it's cotton with spray or cotton with this chemical Mm. cotton with that chemical so it makes it really difficult for them to repurpose and blend it in with the other recycled fibers and fabrics so the whole sort of process is flawed to begin with yeah so it's not about just changing what we use but how we use it Mm. and starting right from the beginning. Yeah. It's just a whole perception shift. Uh, The model just needs to be completely redone. Overhauled. Yeah. There are a lot of brands already in existence that have 
done this and have been doing it quite successfully. So many down in Melbourne. I think we've got a couple here in Sydney as well. They're popping up all over the place, but mm. I think a lot of brands are trying... They're, they're, they're finding out about sustainability more. They're understanding that the market is moving and people are becoming more aware. People are wanting to shop from brands that they feel a connection with and they're wanting to do good through their purchases because they know purchase is power. But a lot of brands are scrambling now trying to show that they're sustainable by fixing one or two steps and it's usually only the steps that consumers or shoppers can see, which is the packaging that arrives on their doorstep so it's biodegradable or recyclable. I'm sorry, like that should just be a given at this point. It's yeah. not. You shouldn't get a gold star for doing that. That's just the bare minimum. It's the bare really. minimum. And the second thing they do is sometimes they'll sneak in some recycled fibers. Not even a hundred percent. Like sometimes they'll just do twenty percent recycled, or blah blah blah. And it's like it's a step in the right direction. And I'm not going to knock anyone for, for choosing recycled instead of virgin. That's still a win, but it's still not sustainable. Mm. And to say this is your eco collection. Well, show me the steps before that, and then I'll tell you if it's eco-collection or not. Mm. Chances are it's not. Mm. And if we really want to get down into it, most of the time there's going to be a lot of exploitation as well involved. So if you're going to produce things in a way that gives you a really large profit margin, don't try and greenwash and pretend like you're sustainable, eco-friendly, or saving the world, because you're not. (laughs) Don't try and palm it off as something that it isn't. Yeah. Because you know it's going to improve sales, because it is. 70% of shoppers are more likely to purchase something if they know that it's been made sustainably. The problem is we don't have legislation in place to say who is and who isn't. So yeah, a lot wow. of yeah, a lot of shoppers are getting tricked by it. Yeah, That's a flawed system mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. So going off of that concept, that, like, that image of the cycle, mm-hmm. what version of that cycle is sustainable all right perfect so for it to be sustainable you'd have well i'll give you an example of a brand that we have in melbourne mm-hmm. it's um a bch and that all of their products are if not biodegradable they send them back and they repurpose them into their new collections so they've got end of life is is covered they've got three different tiers of that um end of life where Either if it's broken, they'll repair it for free for you or they'll take it in and repurpose it or they give you instructions on how you can actually just compost it at home yourself. Oh, which incredible. Is, yeah, so incredible. They use natural and organic fibres in all of their products. Their garments are all made in Melbourne. They're made in small batches and they have their stores in Melbourne as well. So they've already cut down the transport. They've used the right fibres and fabrics from local... uh, I know some of their fibres and fabrics they have actually imported, but they're from... This is where it can sometimes... The lines can just... It's like it it sounds a little bit... But I'll explain it. So some crops grow better in different environments. Mm -hmm. And if you brought... Say you wanted to use a certain... I'm going to use linen, for example... Say you wanted to create a collection out of linen, but where you live, it's not the right conditions for linen to grow. Mm-hmm. It would still be considered sustainable if you go and source a farm that is producing organic, you know, kind to the earth, made slowly linen, and getting that brought in, then trying to grow a crop 
in the wrong conditions. Okay. If that makes yeah, sense that for makes the sense. for the yeah. environment. So the first step it's really important to look at like also is that is that crop healthy for that environment like is it going to thrive there if it's not going to thrive there then you're going to need more water and you're going to need more chemicals etc so that you're doing more harm exactly so where their products or their fibers and fabrics aren't grown or sourced in australia they do import them from i think they've got some from peru but it's like beautiful fabric that's really kind to the earth so they'll bring that in and make a collection out of that Amazing. Okay, yeah. so that's an interesting way to look at it. So would you say in a case like that, it's important to pay attention to the part of the cycle where it's, say, the moving of it? I think and that... judging what, it based on that? You're not necessarily going to know all of that because not a lot of brands like to share where their manufacturing is because then other brands can get their contact and it's sort of like a conflict of interest so they don't actually have to tell us their exact location for where they manufacture but they do have to tell us their origin so the country what i like to look at is what's it made out of and it will always tell you on the care label like sometimes you have to flip it to the back it will tell you what the ingredients or the materials are so it might be like 20 percent cotton and 80 percent elastane or 80 percent whatever so those two straight away will tell you, will be a good indicator to tell you if it's sustainable or not. If it's a natural fibre, natural fabric or organic cotton, good to go. You can move on to the next step and see like, okay, where is it made and manufactured? If it's somewhere like, I don't want to be too, I don't want to be too stereotypical, but more often than not, countries like China and Bangladesh um, and India there are a lot of manufacturing companies there that are definitely not ethical or sustainable at all. So if you've got a product in front of you and it doesn't have you know, a natural or organic fibre and then it's made in one of those countries, I would just assume it's not sustainable. It doesn't tick those early boxes. No. It doesn't tick the boxes that as a consumer are more easy to discern and kind of answer yourself. Yeah. It's kind of like an out, if that makes sense. It's like Mm. you can kind of see. So I think, would you say then if they don't tick the boxes there, that's barely scratching the surface Mm. of what they they could possibly be doing wrong? Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. Yeah. I didn't even think it was that simple to kind of, like you said, you know, information about where things are made, Mm -hmm. how well it's made isn't necessarily accessible information Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot on that tag that Mm -hmm. can tell you yeah quite quickly whether Mm -hmm. this is a good purchase a smart and kind purchase or it's not yeah Mm. and also just like where you're shopping like for example i'm going to use glassons as an example because i know they did a sustainable range uh i think a year or two ago which was just recycled fibers and i still think look step in the right direction won't won't get you wrong but you walk past that shop once a week it's got a completely different fit out completely different clothing like everything's gone it's all new and there's so much of it there that's not sustainable either like you have to be also thinking about the quantity like how many people can access this item and what's the price point and is that fair or is it necessary 
when a lot of these clothing is, you know, trend-based and it's not necessarily designed to last a couple wash cycles before it comes undone. <laughs> Let alone seasons. last a season. Yeah, no, that's... It's, it's not even fast fashion anymore. It's like disposable single-use fashion. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. What would you... What would be the best way to describe then circular fashion? Circular fashion is sustainable fashion that is created mindfully designed to be loved and re-loved and reworn and passed down to your daughter or somebody that you think will really enjoy that piece. Circular fashion is fashion that can exist in our future, fashion that will survive through all the changes that will be coming. We will be getting legislation for all of this. In Paris, they've already started um, this new... I think it's a bill they just passed where they can fine brands for claiming that they're eco-friendly and sustainable when they're not. I think in the UK they've just started that as well. So we'll be getting it soon as well, which will be good. Um, And, you know, everyone's waking up to the severity of what's going on and they do want to make a difference like we want our planet to be beautiful you know in the future and for our children and our grandchildren and everything like that and circular fashion is just a model that can still exist so my definition of sustainability is something that can continually exist something that can always thrive and be there without harming or taking away resources that we need in the future. So circular fashion is essentially sustainable fashion that has, like, longevity. So has that life cycle that can continue Mm -hmm. moving. Yes. Rather than break down or fail at certain points. We can just sort of naturally continue Exactly. Yeah, wow. On the point of cheap clothing, can you explain a little bit for me about why price point is directly correlated to ethics. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting, but I don't think I fully understand that. Yeah, of course. I think that we can sometimes put our head in the sand when we think about um, fast fashion, cheap fashion, accessible fashion, and not even allow ourselves to stop and think about why it's so cheap in the first place. I've definitely, in the past, been guilty of purchasing from fast fashion. I've worked with fast fashion brands, so I'm not sitting here and saying, like, you know, I'm this angel who's never done it and it's so bad, but I will share why it's bad because I think it's important to know. The truth is the conditions are horrific for garment workers. Horrific. They are usually young females predominantly young females from the ages of nine to i guess 40s or 50s they are in factories that aren't even considered safe to work in at all like we wouldn't they wouldn't pass work health safety in australia at all they're crammed in they don't usually have a lot of lighting there's no fire exits there's male workers in there who take advantage There's a lot of sexual harassment that goes on in environments like that. They're usually working around 17 hours a day, seven days a week, because they have so many clothes to make for us. 
and such, you know, quick turnaround times, brands won't pay their supplier if it's late or if there's one little thing wrong. So they'll get paid 30 to 60 days after they've sent off the product. And for an environment like that, I don't think the factory has the cash on hand to go and pay their workers anyway. So they're waiting, you know, minimum of a month after they've done that work to get paid. They're being severely underpaid as well. So I think they get... I think it equates to like six cents a piece, like a piece that's made. And if you've ever tried to sew or if you've ever watched anyone sew, like it is tedious. It takes time. It's a labor of love and it is very meticulous. Like it's not just something you can just quickly like do. So it's really, really unbalanced and unfair. And this is why the profit margin has been so high for these companies because Essentially, they've seen a model. They're like, wow, I can get this piece made for, you know, maybe 10 cents if they factor in the other costs or maybe 20 cents max. And I can go and sell it for $20. So it's it's a no-brainer for these companies to take advantage and exploit these people. But unfortunately, if you think about it, you're trapping a generation of women into poverty because they don't have a life outside of that work they don't have enough money to go somewhere else. They don't have health care. They wouldn't have maternity leave, obviously. So they're really trapping these women and these people into a very unfortunate life of just working to create these clothes that we wear once and throw away. If that's what unethical, cheap labour looks like, what does fair mm-hmm. labour look like? So you would have, obviously, a nice health and safety approved factory. There's examples that I could use, actually. Um, I recently chatted with James Bartle from Outland Denim. He's a really awesome guy with a team in Mount Tambourine, which is in Queensland. And they're creating jeans and denim. And it's all sustainable, but it's also ethical. So what he's done is he's found a link between um, he will like give traffic victims work. So there's there's a team that will save girls from human trafficking, and then he will supply them with job and training at Outland Denim, and they hand make all the all of the jeans. They wash them there. They've got new technology, so they don't have to use pesticides and chemicals on their products instead and yeah it's just awesome because they're paid above minimum wage they're given resources and training and help and mentoring outside of work as well so for example they teach them how to manage their money and and you know how to do how to save and how to do their own accounting if they need to etc so they're not only giving them you know a step into like their own freedom and their own life they're also equipping them equipping them with the resources that they need to do that and that I think it's amazing because there's an example of doing the complete opposite to what the industry is perhaps doing anyway it's giving opportunity to people that really need it but also giving them empowerment and allowing them to stand on their own feet and have their own life and their own choices and their own money and it just shows it can be done. Yeah. It's it's not impossible. No. There's just obviously not enough p- 
people with that sort of mindset or willingness to make these necessary changes but yeah but it, but it is possible he's been for over 10 years he's been proving that his model is effective and beneficial to the market and within the last couple of years he's just finally got all the ticks of approval to prove that it's beneficial socially as well as environmentally so he's done that groundwork now it's obvious that that works and that's useful and that that's a great way to continue manufacturing clothes that we all love in a way that is sustainable and ethical that's amazing Mm. the thing that stood out to me when we were chatting before was the concept of if it's cheap for you who's paying for it and that's what stands out to me from the description you just gave me yeah i don't think we think about that no i think that nobody really wants to think about it because if we do think about it for too long it's going to make us feel sad it might make us feel guilty it might make us feel confused and frustrated and these are all normal feelings to have but i think that if you do feel like any kind of way like this then you should really acknowledge that about yourself and be proud of that in yourself and understand that that is your morals and ethics kicking in to say hey we don't agree with this so it's time to do something about it It doesn't have to be so extreme like you don't have to go ranting on facebook or you know talking to all your friends and family like in a negative way about it but it is definitely you know your inner compass telling you that you are a key part in this movement and you're needed to make some change how big or small you want that change to be for yourself just something would be so helpful absolutely can you explain to me a little bit about the concept of like there's power in purchasing mm-hmm. absolutely i think when you strip it back if you look at there's a few companies in the world that own most of the sub companies underneath then i'll use an example We had this brand of cookies that were so, like, amazing. They were homemade, they were small batches, and they were just beautiful. They became so popular that then when they went to this, they got taken into the supermarket, very quickly they were bought out. But their branding and packaging, everything looks the same. Ingredients changed. and it's being mass-produced. Yeah. So when you think about that one example... Think of all the other brands that have been absorbed by these corporations. They're not even companies, they're corporations. And they have, they pull a lot of the strings in terms of what changes for the world and how fast we act because they have the most power, they have the most affluence, they have the most say, they have the most money. So when you support corporations or these big brands that have all the other brands then you're choosing to say I don't care how it's made I like the product and I trust you and continue on with whatever you're doing because I don't have an issue with that the power you can reclaim in your purchases is going I actually don't like how things are being done and my power as a shopper is that I'm going to support brands that are doing it right until everybody's doing it right. Or if not, I'm not going to support them at all. Because at the end of the day, like if, if a company doesn't have sales, they're, going to, they're not going to be a company anymore. So the power is in 
where you're choosing to spend your money. Exactly. It's your support. You're casting a vote every dollar you spend. You're essentially casting a vote to the future that you want to live in. You're either enabling Mm -hmm. part of the problem or you're in a small part, in a small way, helping end it. Yeah, you're moving the market. You're you're moving the needle. And I wouldn't say it's in a small way because it, it can be tricky at the start to shift all of your... If you think about all the products you use just on a daily basis and just changing them to all being sustainable. Like that's a lot of impact that you're changing. And people think like, oh, I'm just one person. Like it's not really going to make a difference what I do, but it does. It really does. And the more people that feel that way and start moving in that way, I feel like it also just impacts the people around you. We as humans, we're constantly observing what each other are doing mimicking behaviors that we like so it's really important and we're ha- we're creatures of habit yeah too so one small thing that moves the needle can be amplified when you do it a dozen times over mm-hmm. and then other people do it a dozen times over yeah and, and it's it becomes, minimal but it, it has an effect yeah right? and it becomes habit after a while of just checking like I mean at first it's different to go instead of just rushing into the shops and being like oh I need to get this thing really quick and then looking at it and just looking at the marketing which is usually being designed by you know graphic designers and set designers and psychologists you know with the marketing etc etc so what you're buying if you're not actually looking into what it's made out of where it's made and who it's like profits are going to that's the thing that I always love to do is to like look up a company and be like who is the majority shareholder of this brand and then it's like oh this one that owns like hundreds of others like do I want to be giving him the profit or do I want to be giving you know the local family-run business the profit I think I'll give it to the local family-run business especially when it's much easier for them to show what they're doing Mm -hmm. especially if they're doing it well Mm -hmm. so why not support them over exactly someone you know is doing it wrong yeah the sustainable and ethical brands um usually are super transparent with their entire life cycle and it's because they know that nobody else is a first of all they also know that people are really interested in that and it's their way of proving and showing evidence of what they're doing which is so amazing and the other model will probably just say, hey, we're eco-friendly, but not give you any like insight at all. So hopefully there is this ripple effect that will come from supporting sustainable and ethical brands. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that will just completely escalate in the future. What do you think, not only from a planet point of view, an environment point of view, but from an individual's point of view, what would you say you you can gain by supporting sustainable and ethical brands and products absolutely well the local economy first of all will improve because you are supporting and purchasing from local creatives local talent families mothers fathers daughters sisters brothers instead of just you know majority shareholders in a different country sitting in a boardroom um, that's probably the first thing so economy is going to be improved Not to mention you're going to have a better product anyway. You'll have more value in that product. You will have more wear out of it, more use out of it. It's going to fit you better because one step that they love to cut out in the fast fashion model is the fit modeling 
they don't actually put it on people anymore. They don't have the time to do that. They're pumping that out. Like it's, it's out of there in five days. They're not checking to see if it's going to be flattering on you. So you're going to feel more confident. You're going to feel, you know, when you wear something and it just fits you so well and you know that it's made well, you feel amazing. So your confidence is going to be improved. Your body image is going to be improved. And I'm not saying this as a stretch because I know these things all improve for me when I made the swap myself. You're also going to feel more aligned with your own ethics. You'll feel sometimes people can get really down in the dumps and feel like, you know, they don't have a purpose or they don't know what they're doing with their life. Like this is a really good grounding and centering. You know that you are wearing what you believe in and you're embodied in this new vibe that makes you feel, even if it's just that, like even if it's just that for that day that you're, I'm like, I'm proud of, of this. There's it's power in feel that. good, yeah, feel good energy. Obviously, we'll have a much more beautiful world, but we weren't going to go into the environment side of things. And social injustice will be reprimanded because we won't, have the same systems with exploiting people in other countries to create clothing at such a cheap rate. So what that will mean for those populations as well is huge. So that's in itself a reason to absolutely be adamant to swap, just giving them their freedom and their, and their life back, honestly, because we still need to manufacture clothing. So it's not like, they won't have a job. They'll just be getting fairly treated and paid for their work. Their quality of life will improve. Absolutely. Mm. We want to include in the show notes, but can you give me a few examples of some of your favourite sustainable or circular fashion designers or brands Mm -hmm. or products that our our students could very easily sort of go looking for if they want to learn more? Well, I'll start with Victorian Woods because I'm wearing my entire outfits by them. I absolutely love them. And then there's also Kit X. She's amazing and sustainable. There's ABCH, which I mentioned earlier. There's also Arnsdorf in Melbourne, which is really sustainable. And then you've got, you know, as a top designer, Stella McCartney. She was always, she started with vegetarian. Being a vegetarian designer, never used any um, animal products in her collections ever she's been using mycelium which is mushroom leather for a little while now as well as recycled water bottles in the lining of her handbags and i think those are probably my top ones at the moment but uh swimwear you're gonna say palm swimwear which is a made to order model so they don't ever make any more than they sell which avoids any like there's so much waste from fashion that we never see the sample waste on the off cuts so that's a really amazing brand as well and of course outland denim i can't forget outland denim they're amazing too but we have lots of new brands always um joining us at acocious so um i reckon all the brands on there as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We have a couple um, student questions that mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you. So students who've had their interest peaked with this topic, who've mm-hmm. sort of sent some in. So one of the questions from Ben is, when looking at a current brand, how can a shopper very quickly discern whether or not they're acting in a sustainable way? Okay. The example you gave about the, the tag, the tag 
that blew my mind. Yeah. So that's, that's as simple as looking at the size of yeah. something. It's the same as when you think about looking at the ingredients in something. Like if you're going to buy something, usually you'd want to look at the ingredients to know what is in it before mm. you purchase. Um, and it's the same for clothing. You want to know what's in it and how it's made and also how to care for it. That's really important too, which they have on the tag. And that's going to improve the longevity of your product as well. Um, so yeah, Ben, I would definitely say always, always, always check the care label. That's going to give you like key information to know, is this brand really sustainable or are they not at all? Or are they pretending to be? As well as just take a look around the store you're in, how many stores of that particular brand are there, you know, in your town, in your country, on a global scale, how much clothing do they have in there, anything that's mass produced doesn't allocate the time and the care to be done well enough for that product to last, so. Absolutely. Chloe has another question, which is similar, but I'm going to hone in on it more specifically. Mm -hmm. So when you are looking for a sustainable product or a brand, what are the sorts of things to look like if you're shopping online? Yeah. Online is going to be different because some brands are really, really good at creating an atmosphere that looks and feels a certain kind of way. But in reality, it's not. I think we've all been tricked or scammed by something at some point where we've bought something online and it arrives and it looks completely different to the imagery online. But they do still have to display their um, in garment ingredients or manufacture location. It will sometimes just be hidden in a drop-down bar on the website so once you click on the garment or the product um, description scroll down past their blurb and then click to materials and origin of manufacture if they don't have it on there at all that's a really big red flag because legally they're meant to disclose that information um but yes, that's what I would start with. And then go and see if they have a sustainability or an about page, which usually if it's a sustainable brand, they'll have a sustainability page or about us. And that's where they will share their purpose and their reason behind creating a brand and what motivates and drives them towards creating. And you can usually get a pretty clear picture from that if a brand does or doesn't. There are a few brands that absolutely just it's laughable to the extent that they'll try to pretend that they're sustainable when they're not like some brands with jean for example have a whole spiel on their website saying that they're environmentally focused and environmentally friendly but their save the earth day tea last year was made out of cotton not organic cotton so they either don't know what sustainability is or they want to keep their profit margin and also say that they kind to the planet because they know people like that so Mm. You will get tricked sometimes, you know, especially when you start out. It can be so exciting when you're so passionate about sustainability. It can be so exciting to find a brand that you love is talking about it and you want to believe them. But you just have to check. I have a little guide and checklist. I think we talked about it before. Yeah, which we're going to include in the show notes as yeah. well as a link to everything on your site. That is sort of, would you say, a great starting point? Yeah, we've got a lot of good sustainable swaps on there. 
Awesome. That's yeah. a good way to start. But the, I reckon just to answer this question really easily, that ebook explains specifically for the online side of things. It's like you go in and you'll, you'll check um, what the materials are and where it was made in the product description, check their sustainability. And then, yeah, I, I sometimes also like to Google things about the brand, see if they've had any like negative press. Sometimes they have, and that's then why they're choosing to do something that's, you know, going to look good. Good PR, so to speak. Exactly. That happens a lot. A lot. So there's there's probably a lot of information that isn't accessible to mm. a shopper, but there is a lot that is accessible mm-hmm. that might just require a bit of digging, a bit of research to help you make as informed a shopping decision as possible. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. This has been so interesting. I like it's going to send me off googling and yeah. and um, trying to sort of outsmart the system, I think. Yeah, it's it becomes really empowering uh, when you sort of when like I don't know, the shiny image is like kind of been smashed. Mm. Like the glamorous fashion industry that we all absolutely love. It's sort of like, oh, well, and this isn't all brands that are doing this. Like, you know, some of the top brands in the world have already been behind the scenes recalibrating their entire process into sustainable ways. Like the top fashion houses in the world are already making their own sustainable fabrics, which I don't think they're making too much noise about now because they don't want to greenwash. They, they want to do it right and then once it's right or just slowly do it so that it's not like a big song and dance sort of thing. Mm. But, yeah, once you start looking into things, you can't really, like, put your head in the sand anymore. I mean, after all the documentaries and all the research I've done, like, I just... <laughs> I don't know. You, you just can't, can't unsee things no. sometimes. You can't unknow. Knowledge is power. Mm. Like that, yeah. I guess. Yeah, this has been amazing. I think one of the important takeaways for me, anyway, has been we hear so much about how the climate is suffering from all of these things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. But to also hear that that one of the biggest contributors is fashion and it's obviously not an industry that's going to go anywhere anytime Mm -mm. soon. And we didn't even discuss landfill, but that's one of the biggest issues as well is because we're throwing out so much clothes. I think it's 27 kilos for each Australian every year is what we throw out. That's insane. I don't personally, like, I haven't shopped anywhere that's not sustainable or I haven't actually really shopped that much in the last few years, like, if I'm going to be completely honest. But I know that there's a lot of people that might think, oh, well, I'm not in, in that. Well, no, you, you you might not be, but somebody else is throwing out even more, which is giving you that 27 kilos to carry. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of landfill. And we can't really just keep creating more dumping grounds for these clothing that don't break down for like 200 years because they're again made out of polyester which is fuel so it doesn't biodegrade just sits there and so landfill would you say is a direct the cause and effect being poor end of life yes planning that's the no end of life yeah not even poor no end of life not having a results in landfill yes exactly and the land and the fashion that we don't keep in australia to dump we send off to africa and we send off to other countries and then it gets dumped there 
and it's just their problem now, not ours anymore. A lot of our stuff gets sent away so that we don't have to see it or deal with it personally. But that's yeah. crazy. No, it's <laughs> it's awful. Is there any? I know you mentioned legislation before. Is there anything or even somewhere to start that an interested student could go looking? I guess in terms of what's happening politically mm-hmm. and that moving the needle like where are we at the moment you mentioned the uk you mentioned france mm-hmm. do we know yet what's happening in australia is there a way to find out the best resources for global sustainability and fashion information is the ellen MacArthur foundation website they have so many free resources on there from their own reports that they've done to they've got video documented mini documentary sort of explaining what is circular fashion and explaining everything as well as what's happening globally and they've got all the stats and figures on there the other one is i think it's called who made my clothes.org or fashion revolution they share a lot about the ethics that go into the fashion industry as well as how you know socially and environmentally we are impacting negatively as well as how we can positively make change so they're huge all all three of them they're quite big organizations that have dedicated time and energy into getting that information out and it's yeah a really good place to go if you're interested amazing we'll make sure to include all of those in the show notes so that students can go looking Mm -hmm. um as we wrap up is there anything anything that you'd like to say or anything that you want to impart either from where you started that has Mm -hmm. sort of stuck with you the whole time or something that you've learned now Mm -hmm. if you want our students to have one takeaway from this conversation what what would it be just be really fierce in standing your ground and being proud of who you are and what you believe in and just see where that can take you I was in a very different space before I started this own journey for myself and whilst at times it's been challenging it's been I mean it's changed my life like I just look at things and feel so differently now like I I just feel like I'm doing you know I know I'm doing good in the world and it's just a really empowering energy to carry that's amazing thank Mm. you so much Ariana this has been incredible I've loved chatting to you Um, All of the stuff we've covered today will be in the show notes, Mm -hmm. including all of the links in any of the businesses and brands that we've mentioned, as well as a link to your site, Ecocious. Mm -hmm. This has been Spill the Tea at TFI, the podcast. We've had Ariana with us today. I'm Poppy. Stay tuned.